Well, it's good to be back here again and to see you. I've been spending some time with uh, Ryan and just talking and praying. He's a great guy. I think you've made a great choice. I'm looking forward to continuing to spend time with him. And, uh, you know, you've done well. And uh, I think you're going to do even better. So that's good. Um, When the Scripture looks at our relationship with the Lord, it most often compares it to a walk. And that's really interesting because the idea is that we're going someplace and we're in movement. And I really like that idea, and it's a good way to look at yourself. And in fact, sometimes you may hear in conversation, well, how's your walk going? You know, because the idea is, is we should always be moving towards something. In, in the Mideast then and now, the idea of pilgrimage was a really a big part of the lives of, of, of that world, uh, both the, the Arab world and, and the Jewish world today. That's a big part of, of their lives, the idea of pilgrimage. And, and scripture shows, uh, really, your relationship with God is a, is a pilgrimage. And it, it, it means that you're not totally certain where you're going, you don't have all the answers, but you know who you're going with, and that's the important thing, and you, are, you head out. And um, like Abraham was called, you know, when they first called Abraham, he was, he was a moon worshiper, all right? And he was just kind of hanging out in Ur of the Chaldees, and God appeared to him and said, I want you to leave everything and go to the place that I'm going to tell you. And, of course, he did, and that's why he's the father of our faith. But today I want to look at uh, Psalm 84, which is an, a beautiful psalm. It's about pilgrimage. And really, it, 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 in it contains the essence of your walk with God. And it'll, it'll show you um, how to walk with God. The, the beauty of, of the Old Testament is that it's a physical example of spiritual truth. What's worked out physically in the Old Testament is worked out spiritually in the Old Testament. You know, for example, the, the scriptures in the New Testament don't really say a lot about worship except for the book of Revelation. There's a few scattered verses in the epistles. Jesus said, has one or two comments. Well, the reason why is because we can look in the Psalms and see, ah, that's what worship is about. It's the same thing about spiritual warfare. You know that it's real. Paul says, put on the armor of God. He says, stand firm. Uh, be sober-minded, but he doesn't really show you how to do spiritual warfare because that's what the, the book of Joshua is for, okay? Uh, the, the church, um, when, it, when the church wants to build and, and you want to build the church, uh, the scripture just says you are a building and build each other up, but it doesn't tell a lot about how to do that. Well, that's why you have the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, and I could go on and on because they contain a physical example of spiritual truth. And so today we want to look at your pilgrimage, and, and hopefully it will help you to be excited to wake up tomorrow morning and be on pilgrimage. And before we do, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and we welcome you into this place where you come to knit us together as living stones so that we can rise up and be a temple that you dwell in by your Spirit. We thank you that, too, you have called us to be kingly priests, to be royal priests, to offer spiritual sacrifices. And, Lord, we thank you for the honor of being chosen 
and, and made into spiritual priests by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the good work that you're continuing to do here, uh, for the way you're causing people to grow and to lay hold of you and to walk in faith. Father, I thank you for Ryan. What a great and godly choice to be the pastor of this church. And we pray, God, that you'd continue to give him a vision for you first and then for what you desire for this place and that, Lord, all of your people could encourage him uh, to walk in who he is. And we pray, God, that you would knit the leadership together uh, with great bonds uh, of of like-heartedness and like-mindedness so this could be a place that continues to bring you glory and honor and praise. And, Lord, we pray now uh, that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you, Lord God, our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Well, if you open up to your Bibles to Psalm 84, or you can just turn in your outlines if you have them, there are three blessings in this psalm that talk about the blessings of pilgrimage. And the first one is the blessing of dwelling. You'd think that's kind of strange that we're talking about pilgrimage, but the first blessing is the blessing of dwelling. And it's really the most important one. Uh, because every pilgrimage has a place where you want to end up, all right? A pilgrimage just doesn't go on forever and ever. You always end up, the, the pilgrims ended up in America, okay? And so you, you always have a, a destination, and the excitement is on the way. And let me read the first, the first four verses of Psalm um, 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Whenever I look at the text, I always think it's good to ask questions, you know, about the text. And, and Jesus often just would ask questions. And the first question that comes to mind here is that, do you see God's dwelling place? Because one of the things that you have to have if you're going to go on pilgrimage is you have to have a vision for where you want to end up. And, and you have to have a vision of where God wants you to, to be. And you have to have a spiritual vision for that. And, and here we have this psalmist. And these are the sons of Korah that wrote this. And uh, they were worship leaders uh, in David's um, temple, in the temple that David had set all these work. 24 orders of priests, 24 orders of uh, musicians, and they served in the temple 24 hours a day. And that's why you see in, in heaven, you see 24 elders, you know, because earth mirrors what's going on in hell, heaven. Those, those elders have crowns, they have robes, they have harps. And that's why God always establishes on earth what's already in heaven. And so the first question is, do you see God's dwelling place? And that's one of the things that you want to acquire in your walk with God. You want to have a, an idea of, of the beauty of God's dwelling place. Now, I'll show you what that is in a minute. But let me just read this scripture and and... It says, send forth your light and your truth, Psalm 43, 
and let them guide me, let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. The idea of your walk with God is that you, you want to be in the presence of God. Christianity makes no sense if God isn't real and if he isn't present. If we just go through uh, a number of, of interesting rituals and ceremonies and, and traditions, then we, we're like anyone else. If those rituals and, and traditions and ceremonies aren't uh, empowered by the presence of the living God, then what, what difference does it make? And you, it's interesting, when you think of, of, of walking by faith, there, were only, there was only a period of about three and a half years that people didn't have to walk by faith, all right? And that was when Jesus was on the earth, because he was right there. You could touch him, you could hear him, you could, you know, you could embrace him, you could see stuff. And so you, they, they didn't really have to walk by faith. Because he was there. They just said, oh, Jesus, you know, we need, you know, we can't feed these people. And, you know, or man, look, there's a blind person or, you know, and Jesus would do things, you know. But, but before that, everyone had to look forward to the reality of Christ. And we have to look backward. And so did the rest of the disciples when Jesus was, was taken up into heaven. But you have something really interesting here. These sons of Korah had a revelation about something that's important. They said this, My soul yearns and even fates for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You see, even then, it was not all ritual. It was not all ceremony. It was a sense that they knew that God was alive. And, and if you don't have a sense that your relationship with God is vibrant, is alive, that, that, that you hear his voice, that you meet with him, that you see him at work in, in, in his kingdom uh, here, then, then something's wrong. And, and so the first question I, I want to ask you is, do you see God's dwelling place? Do you have a sense of that? The second question is, do you long for his presence? They wanted the presence of the, of the living God. Now listen to Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet before God, meet with God? Now think about what the psalmist is saying here. I believe those are the sons of Korah again. They, they had an expectation that not only was God alive, but they could meet with him. Do you have that expectation? That God is alive and you can actually meet with him. You know, now we're after the resurrection and we're after the ascension and we're after Pentecost, which I think is next Sunday, right? Next Sunday's Pentecost Sunday, is that right? I think so. Yeah, man, Holy Spirit, come forth, right? <laughs> Let's shake things up. <laughs> But we, we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, so shouldn't we have that expectation? Man, I just want to meet with the living God. You know, do you have a desire for His presence? The thing that will cause you to be unique as a Christian and to stand through the trials and tribulations of your life will be that God is alive and, and, and you can meet with Him. And you know when you have, and you know when you don't. You know the difference. And, and if, if you're not doing that, then you have to ask yourself the question, do I long for the presence of God? Man, I want God's presence. And when I get up tomorrow, and I open the Word, and when I go off into life, I want to experience His presence. I'm thirsty for that. 
you know, thirsty for that. I, my devotional life has to be better than anyone's devotional life in the whole church because you know what? They depend on me to preach a word from the word that sustains the weary. And so I've got to be close to God. I can't just study to study. You know, it won't work. Now listen to this. This is David. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Wow, do you get that sense that David had this vision of God, that he was alive, that he was real? Now, Jesus wasn't walking the earth. They didn't even have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. The Holy Spirit would come upon someone from time to time, you know, but they didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit until Pentecost. And so yet David wanted the presence of God. He just wanted that sense that God was there and that he was real. And then look what he says next. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Ha! Wow. David saw God in the sanctuary and beheld his, his power and his glory. What does that mean? Well, I think it means it's what it says. David had a, 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 a sense, a vision, whether it was... I don't know if it was physical, but, but he knew that God was real and he saw his glory and he saw his power. And, and because David thirsted, he was, he was given what he wanted. That's why God says that David, man, made some super mistakes. You know, he made the worst ones, murder, adultery, pride. I mean, you know, can't get any worse than that. You know, maybe a little worse, you know. But at the end of it all, God says, he was a man after my own heart because he did everything I told him to do. Isn't that amazing? You see, what God admired is this one thing. God, I just want you. I just want your presence. You know. Listen to this. The other question is, are you at home in his house? Are you at home in his house? Now, you'll see the answer to these questions in a, in a little bit. But, but listen to what it says about his house. And blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. If you are dwelling in God's house, you, you have a sense of praise. It doesn't really matter what goes on in your life. You can turn it to praise. And so these songs that we sing become a reality in your heart. Because they spring out of your heart, whether you sing them or not. The idea of God, I just want to praise you. Because you're dwelling in his house. All right? You've learned to, to live there. Listen to what David said. Now, I saw this movie. It was years ago. It was City Slickers. Anyone ever say, seen City Slickers? Great movie. Fantastic movie. And Jack Palance play, plays the cowboy. And, and uh, um, the, the guys ask him, what is the secret to life? What is it? You know, and he was a very stoic guy. And do you remember what he did? One thing. Find the one thing. They were like blown away, you know. Great movie if you haven't seen it. Well, listen to what David says. One thing I seek of the Lord, and this is what I seek. I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. See, David was that one thing. You know, he did a lot of things that God told him not to do or didn't tell him to do, but he did the one thing that mattered to God. 
He said, Lord, I want you. I want to seek you. I want to see you. I want to behold your beauty. When you talk about beholding the beauty of, of, of someone, it's their attributes. It's who they are. God wanted the attributes of God. His love, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his holiness. You, you look at the Psalms. A lot of David's Psalms are about the beauty of God. They're about his attributes. You know, worship the Lord in the splendor of his majesty. You know, a lot of his attributes. And so, do you want to see the, the beauty of the Lord? Do, do you want to, to, to live in his house? Now, how do you do this? Well, it's been fulfilled for you. You have a chance to, to do this every day. Now, listen to this. John 14, okay? Love that chapter, you know? One of the best chapters. Listen to how it starts off. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. He said, listen, here's the deal. My Father's house, there's all these rooms. I'm going to go prepare a place, and I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. Now, I think a, a lot of unfortunate teaching is, is, is on this because it's short-sighted. Yes, when you die, this is certainly true. And yes, when the Lord returns at the second coming, he's gonna, we're going to be caught up together with him in the air and ever be with the Lord. But I don't think that's the focus. Now, you've got to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation in two places, Revelation 1, chapter 5, and chapter 5 says this, this is why he died and shed his blood, to make you priests, kingly priests. Now, the priests... In the Old Testament, all had rooms in God's house. When they went to serve, they lived there. They dwelt in the house. So what do you think, as a priest, that God wants you to experience? You know, for you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That's who you are. What does he want? He wants you to experience dwelling, that sense of dwelling. Now, later on in John 14, in verse 16 and 17, and you can read the whole chapter itself, he says this, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So he says, all right, I want to come and bring you back so you'll be with me. And then he says, now, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with you and live in you. And you know that. That's, he spent the whole time talking about the Holy Spirit. So on the day of Pentecost, what happens? Boom. The Holy Spirit's pouring out dwells in everyone. And then listen to what he says in John 14, 21 through 23. One of the, right before that he says, listen, whoever has my commandments and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and show myself to Apocalyptic, show, reveal. Jesus said, listen, I'm going to, I, I, I got this house for you. You're my priest. I, I want you to, I'm going to go prepare a way. I, I want you to come and dwell there. You've got your own room. There it is. And you know what? I'm going to make it real because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he's going to guide you into all truth. And you know in the Greek, no such word as reality, because that word truth means reality. I'm going to, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into the reality I'm talking about. And then he says this. And so Judas, not as scared, says, look, how does, how's this going to work? You know, how is this going to work? This doesn't make sense. I mean, you're going to reveal yourself to us, but not to the rest of the world? 
Well, of course, because it's through the Holy Spirit. But then he says this. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. Where's his home? His house. So God takes the whole house, the whole temple, and he says, I'm, we're going to come to you through the Holy Spirit, and we're going to make our home, the temple, in you. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord, God Almighty. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Just think about that. You know, St. Saint, Saint, um, Francis said, I spent so much time worshiping the God out there rather than the God who lived right in me. And when you get that sense that you're the temple, man, worship takes place so easily. You can dwell there. Now, chapter 15 is a whole other chapter. We won't go there, but it's all about dwelling, abiding. Word is the same, dwelling. Now listen to this. This is really important. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to go and prepare a place. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He prepared the place. It's already prepared. He prepared it when he died on the cross and he was ascended into heaven. He brought his blood and it opened the way. The evidence was first physical by the, 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 you know, the veil being torn in two. It was about a little longer than this, about that high and this thick. And it was torn into you know that's that's how the curtain to the holy of holies and it let you in and it let god out too because he doesn't dwell there anymore he dwells here you're the dwelling place of god and and he opened the way so now you have full confidence because you're god's temple and he made he's made his home with you you can just say lord here i am you've opened up the way I want my room, you know. I had, uh, you know, we had four kids, and we had one girl and three boys in a, in a three-bedroom house. And so our son, Nicholas, who you know, was really good. He was just so good because he had to share a room. He had the biggest room with his two younger brothers. And he had his own little own bed, and, and, uh, and the, the two younger boys had bunk beds. And he was just so good. I mean, they were, they were much younger than him, and he, he was just a great brother to them, and still is. And... And he didn't get his room until our daughter Emily went into the military. And then he was, like, happy. I got a room. I got a room, you know. And it was funny. And as each one moved out, then, then Jesse, our, our second oldest one, he got Nick's room. And so, you know, but uh, it's, it's, it's the, the having your own room in God's house. What a privilege that is. Do you, do you take that, you know? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Wow. 
So that's where God wants you to go in your pilgrimage and in your walk with God. You, this is what your experience that God wants. He wants you to be in the house. He wants you to dwell there. He wants you to see His beauty, to see His majesty, to behold His power and glory. Man, don't you want some? oh my goodness, I really see God's power and glory in you. I see it. I see it in your walk with God that you're powerful. When you minister, people are changed. When you pray, stuff happens. Don't you want to see God's power and glory in your temple, in this house? God's longing for a church where the people say, Man, God, I'm I'm in my room. I'm dwelling there. I want to see your power and your glory. Now listen, David said, this, this one thing I ask and I seek. Seek out your room. Seek out your, the house of the Lord. You know, it's not when you die and go to heaven. That'll be great. But you've got to live, you know, a few more years here. Don't you want it to be, you know, walking in victory, not just existing with problems? You know, wouldn't that be nice? Well, the second blessing is the blessing of strength. And, and if you dwell in the house of God, if you, if you dwell, you're going to be strong. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Don't you get a sense that if you learn how to dwell, you're going to be strong? And then listen to what it says. See, you can't start your pilgrimage unless you go from a place first. You know, you've got to go from a place because the pilgrims, when they started out, they went on these three, you know, ships, Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. I think those were what they were. And they were filled with all kinds of supplies. They were filled with maps. They were filled with everything. They, they went from a place to a place. And they were empowered. Same with Columbus when he came. Queen of Spain gave him all kinds of money, all kinds of ships. And see, God wants you to go out on your journey into life, having dwelt in his house and becoming strong. And listen to what it says. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Don't you like that? Set their hearts on pilgrimage. Now, literally in the Hebrew, and I like this better, in whose hearts are the highway to Zion. You got that GPS in your heart. Man, I want to go on the highway to Zion. You know, over and over, it talks about a highway in Scripture. You know, and a highway is, is what you're to walk on. All right? It's not like these hiking trails out in the woods, which I love to do. But if I want to get somewhere, I'm not going to go on this convoluted hiking trail that wanders around. If I want to get to California, I don't even have to use a GPS. I just get on I-80 and go. When I was young, we did that. We started in Connecticut, ended up in California. We didn't have to worry about a GPS or even a map. You just go. And see, that's the way it is, the highway to Zion. Listen, where is your heart? In your heart, are you going... Now, Zion, listen, Zion is symbolic. It means the place where God dwells and makes himself known. That's the idea. God, I, I want to I see your, your, your presence in my world. I want to see it in my school. I want to see it at work. I want to see it. I want to see your presence. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Man, I'm leaving the house. This has been a great house, and you've filled me up with everything I need. I'm going on a journey now, and I'm going to go into the world and spread the kingdom. And look at what it says here. In Micah 4.2, many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. 
Man, you live in the house and you dwell in the house and you experience the presence of God. You see his power and glory in your life. And you go out into the world and you go, hey, I'm going to Zion. Come with me. Let, let's go. We're getting on the highway. Let's go. That's evangelism. That's what evangelism is. You preach the gospel of the kingdom. You bring people into a relationship with the Lord, but it's a relationship where they get to know Him and He's real. You see? And that's what people need to see, is that God is real. He's supernatural. And He's supernatural in me. So, I'm going to show you. Because I dwell in the house. I dwell in the house. Listen to what the Bible is so consistent. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says about Zion. But you, you haven't come to Mount Sinai with all the, you know, special effects. So, so many people try to re... Uh, there are churches that they try to uh, redo Mount Sinai. And they want all the special effects and they want, you know, the glory of God. No, the glory of God is in you. The light of the knowledge of the, sharp, the glory of God in the face of Christ. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews says, don't, don't go there. You have not come to Mount Sinai, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Is that where you come? Man, when you worship with a sense of dwelling in the house, there's three temples. This temple, this temple, and the temple in heaven. And when all of these temples come together with a desire for God, and if you form this temple of living stones, guess what? Man, heaven opens up. Wow. Isn't that what you want? That, that's church, right? Huh? That's church. Are, and the next question, besides where are your hearts, are, are you overcoming? Listen to what it says here. If you set your heart on pilgrimage... As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rain also covers it with pools. Now, this is how literally in the Hebrew this can be read. As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with blessings. Your journey is to be a journey of overcoming where you change situations. You go into the valley of weeping and you make it a place of blessing. That's what God's called you to do on your journey. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff will comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That's how we're to live. You go into the valley of weeping. And there's lots of weeping. But if you're dwelling in the house, and in your heart are the pathways to Zion, God's going to lead you into these places of weeping. You're going to come across people who are going through a divorce. You're going to come across people who have lost children to, to drugs or alcohol. You're going to come through people who, who have had bad relationships that have taken advantage of them, and that is the valley of weeping. But if you're coming from the house, and you're going in strength, you're going to turn that valley of weeping into a place of blessing. Isn't that powerful ministry? Isn't that what the church is supposed to be about? That's what it's supposed to be about, right? And then, the next question is, are you growing? Because look at what happens to them. 
They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. See, God, this is spiritual growth. You should be stronger this year than you were not last year. You should be stronger next year than you were this year. If you're not, something's wrong. Maybe you're not dwelling. Maybe you're, in your heart is not the pathway to Zion. They go from strength to strength. Not from problem to problem, but from strength to strength. That's the Christian walk. The other question is, where do you appear? It says they appear before God in Zion. There's, there's that presence. Listen to this. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages now. Don't you see, and from evermore. Man, Jude is just psyched. Because these Christians looked back and remembered Jesus, and they had the Holy Spirit, and they said, Man, God, you're able to make me appear before your presence. It's real. Oh, God, let me just worship you. And that, I mean... Well, the last one is the blessing of trust. And in verse 8 and 9, we'll skip that. It's, you, you, you know, the psalmist here, they break out in a prayer for David because they are psyched because David taught them all this and they're just appreciative. And they ask blessing upon David. But here is the last of the three blessings. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord God Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And this is a trust walk. You dwell. You go on pilgrimage. Because in your heart are the pathways to Zion. And then you trust God along the way. And the first thing, though, is what is your perspective? Better is one day... In your courts than a thousand elsewhere, I would rather be a doorkeeper than the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. This is the idea. The priests, they were the doorkeepers. They, they got to say, okay, you know, every priest got to say, okay, you get to watch over the door to the temple and you get to decide who goes in and comes out. That's your job, all right? And you get to open it for the Lord to come in and for the Lord to go out. I mean, that's really the idea. You see, to be a doorkeeper is like a cool thing to be. That's why I'd say I would rather be a doorkeeper one day in the house of the Lord to have that privilege than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And then the other thing I want to ask you, who is God? It says here he's a, he's a sun and a shield. Well, we could go a long time just talking about those two things. Is God a sun and a shield to you? And then what, what do you receive from him? Grace, glory, no good thing. But here's the deal. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. There we have. You have to have a blameless walk. What does that mean? What does it mean? Listen to this. First of all, in Genesis 5.24, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more. Because God took him away. Man, that's, I love that verse. Walk with God so that you become no more and God takes you away. I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I, have li I live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in this body, I live by faith 
and the Son of God who loved me and died for me? Are you willing to become less so God can become more? Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. I love that. And the second thing, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. That's how you have a blameless walk. You walk before God. You walk in his presence. That, in Hebrew, to walk before, that word before means to be in presence. And you know where it is? It, it comes out in, in, it comes out in, in uh, Zechariah's song. That we may serve him without, when we may serve him without fear before him all of our days. That's why Jesus came. You can walk before God, and as you walk, He's going to cause you to be blameless because it's His work. So my question is to you, are you on pilgrimage? Are you dwelling? Are you trusting? God wants you to be dynamic in your walk with Him. You know, God wants His church to be dynamic. You know, and it's that one thing. One thing I have asked of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. He's there, right there. Amen? Amen.